Our Dems in D.C. said they'd appreciate care packages from home. Before 5 p.m. Tuesday, we're collecting Dr. Pepper, salsa, hard candy, hairspray, travel toiletries, hand sanitizers, sewing kits, first aid, and or money to pay shipping. T.Y. Dallas Democrats. Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. God willing, everything is on the table. You now can pass things without a filibuster threat. That's right. Oh, you'll regret this, and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to the Ruthless Variety Program. That was a Ruthless original rendition of the Dallas Democrats who were soliciting care packages for the idiots who've been running around uh, D.C. for the last week or two. Has it been only one week? I, I mean, mean, the I, amount of content, if it, it's been, I think it's been only one week. <laughs> they've only been doing this for one week? It's hard. You know, it's hard to, like, balance it because they've done so much. Yeah, they, I mean, well, they're an endless source of content, but... I mean, th- this new new stunt that they've pulled is just—I mean—it's completely shameless. Uh, them saying that we need care packages. Like, are you serious? You guys take a private jet, and you know, infect each other, infect people all around you in DC with, with the Delta variant, and now you're like, please send us. What are they asking for? They're like candy and and chips and salsa. Heart, so, Heart so, sewing candy. kits, sewing kits. It's also performative, right? Like they're like, we need Dr. Pepper because Dr. Pepper is a Texas beverage. And it's like, dude, go to the vending machine. <laughs> I don't know. Like go to the front desk at your hotel you're staying at in D.C. and get a sewing kit. They're like like none need, of this is real. We need a we need a first aid kit. You're in a hotel in D.C. <laughs> you're not in like some Ford operating yeah, base right. in Afghanistan. Like, on the front line. I mean, these guys are, this is a first class performance. I mean, we always make fun of the performative nature of partisan politics, but this is really something else. I, uh, I have our, our guest today, uh, Congressman Tony Gonzalez of Texas's 23rd district. I asked him about this. He's going to give us his view. You're going to like it. You're going to like it. He's a great guy. Great interview. It's going to be awesome. One thing before we get off of the Texas Dems though. Did you see that Beto gave this crew six hundred grand I mean, to stay in DC? That's what I'm talking about. Is where did this money go? I mean, if if, if Beto hands them six hundred k, and now they're asking people like I saw that tweet and I was genuinely just like outraged. Like, <laughs> have you no shame? There's people in this country who are in need, who who have actual problems going on in their lives. Like I I sent, I put up a link to Feeding America, great charity, and these people. These people fly private jets, and now they're asking for handouts? Yeah, like they're behind enemy lines. Like this is the Berlin airlift. Yeah. You know, need a pallet of Dr. Pepper for our brave men and women fighting in D.C. <laughs> well, and just remember, th- this stems from these folks who were elected by the people of Texas to do their job, refusing to do their job because they don't have the votes to overturn things like voter ID requirements in right, Texas, right? right? So instead of actually doing the job they were elected to do, they get on this private plane full of Miller Lite and Delta variant. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Delta Comfort Plus. <laughs> and then they spread it to everybody in D.C., including the Speaker's office and the White House. And they're still here. And they're still here. Nobody's called them back home. I mean, maybe they want them to say. I wouldn't be surprised if you, they start getting care packages. Be like, stay there, buddy. We don't want you back. It's un- <laughs> like, 
it's 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 tasteless. It's absolutely shameless what they're doing. And, you know, the more misfortune befalls them, the happier I am. I mean, you got to think that Texas Democrats at this point are hoping that the uh, that the Texas uh, police department was going to go. The, the Rangers or whatever they are who were uh, tasked with bringing these people back might actually have some success. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, great for us. Listen, I, I one other thing I got to get to. Um, did you hear the Biden audio? Yeah, it's being debated of what exactly he's saying. Uh, do we have that? What must be what? I mean, that's. What must be what? I don't know why he's saying it. <laughs> well, In my opinion, I think it's crystal clear. For some reason, he's saying my butt's been wiped. Is this caretaker there? My butt's been wiped. That's what I hear. Is this caretaker there? Is he like, all right, it's okay, lady? I've been fed my pudding. I don't know that I can improve upon that. Let's hear it one more time. What must be what? It's a. Uh, my butt's been wiped. I. I. I I mean, that's what I hear. My butt's been wiped. I think it was trending on Twitter, too. So, I mean, that's official now. I feel like like it might be official. I have no idea what else it could be. And the thing is, is like if there was one stumble that he made, you'd be like, oh, he must have had a bunch of jumbling thoughts in his head and just kind of ran to the microphone with all of them at once. But he does this like weekly. That's the thing is I I think at this point it's become pretty clear to everyone. Kamala's like, come on, buddy. She's like checking her watch every day. She's like, uh, can we get him to go up some stairs on Air Force One again? That works out pretty well for me. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, um, moving on just to housekeeping, we are getting really close to Iowa. It's going to be amazing. I'm, I'm more excited by the day. Uh, I got more uh, on our calendar invites for the interviews we have lined up. I mean, it's going to be stellar. I mean, it, it, it really is going to be out of this world. We, the more... Uh, we've gotten from the folks in Iowa, the more I'm convinced this thing is going to be completely off the hook. <laughs> I, I mean, I can't wait. And hearing from more people that they're going to show up. I mean, this is going to be absolutely like a, a must attend event. So folks, what, what's the date that we arrived there? We're getting there the 17th of August. Okay. And we're going to be at the fair on the 18th of August. So we're going to do some happy hours and stuff on the 17th, kind of get ingratiated into the, you know, the whole motif. And then, the 18th is when the doors come off. I can't wait. Yeah, I know. I can't. I can't either. It's going to be awesome. All right. So last thing of a uh, piece of housekeeping is we said that we would continue to read five-star reviews. We appreciate them. Thank you. We picked one today that I thought was pretty funny. It was picking off of uh, uh, what Smug was talking about with kid fight clubs. I remember that. <laughs> so uh, this, this person's be ruthless. I listen to the program while jogging and walking the dog, and sometimes I start laughing hysterically on the street corner. Good thing I live in San Francisco where psychotic behavior is the norm so nobody notices. I'd like to know if Smug and the gang are going to sponsor a kid fight club at the Iowa State Fair. If so, I'll push the internet button and book the airfare now. If this violates child labor law, uh, maybe you can do Minions versus Crazy Dudes. Uh, We have a surplus of CDs here, and I can canvas a bunch of tents on Market Street for potential combatants. I mean, I'm completely open to having that. I think I think I want to make it clear that we don't endorse fighting children. It's not us that we're fighting it's the not, children. Yeah, it's not us. There are other people that were fighting their children. Exactly. We have no part in it, but if the children are fighting, the children are fighting. <laughs> that's incredible. And that's from Shannon in Florida. Thank you, Shannon. We appreciate it. One other uh, plug I got to give is to an old buddy from high school actually DM me a picture of him in a don't take the bait shirt. Nice. Lily. Thank you. Shout out to you. You're the man. 
Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. The don't take the bait. There's been a lot of bait that's been taken. Yeah. A lot of bait. I'm looking around the internet. I see nothing but bait getting gobbled up. It's very <laughs> disappointing. Very disappointing. All right. Well, speaking of disappointments, we're going to have to cover the Olympics, and there's no other way to cover the Olympics than bringing in Hollywood Hen, who, of course, has expertise in basically everything pop culture, including this. Let's get the Hollywood Hen music. Hey. Hey, guys. What's up? I am here to report some disappointing news because the Olympics has kicked off and we have not been doing as well as we had hoped. Oh, wow. This is the worst. The United States, as of this recording, is second in overall medals, being beaten by China. Oh, wow. Well, it's Joe Joe, Joe Biden. Right. Joe Biden's America. And we are also not leading in the gold medal count either. Japan has the most gold medals. And and for context on this, I think I saw something that was like, you have to go back 30 or 40 years to get to a place where the United States wasn't not just winning all of the, the medals, but like just dominating, dominating all of the Olympics. So some of the, the high key losses that have happened, obviously the women's soccer team lost to Sweden. The basketball team lost. The women's soccer team? Wait, yes. women's soccer is this Olympic sport? Oh, oh come on. No, I mean, I didn't know any soccer. Any soccer. Oh, okay. Gosh. I think I think it's ridiculous that soccer, whoever is playing is ridiculous. But, okay. It's not gender specific for you. It's just that it's, it's... Also, it's, you know, like, uh, you know, maybe instead of... What are they doing? They're, like, filing lawsuits. It's like maybe win games, you know, focus first on winning games, then filing lawsuits. Yeah. But, I mean, on, on we can go. Drop, just, dropping, to, dropping to a knee every time yeah, you play yeah. the anthems. Not a great thing for your... Olympic aspirations. Yeah, maybe focus on your sport. Yeah. Um, so, so they lost. Basketball lost to France. Incredible. That makes me just, so pissed. Which is I saw just that. unbelievable. I, I, so I have I have a couple takes on this. Number one, uh, it's pathetic. It is. We're the country that created the dream team. You know, we used to beyond dominate that sport. But there's there's a there's a separate aspect to this is that you know now we have a lot of more international players in the NBA so like you'll have players who are playing in the NBA but they'll be playing for like France or you know whatever respective country we need to make a rule <laughs> it's the National Basketball Association not the International Basketball Association you play in the NBA you play for Team USA bottom <laughs> line I can get behind that actually yeah you come here you play our yeah. sports bingo you then play, you play our sports for us. us yeah, yeah. Go, go play in the france basketball association if you want to play for team france otherwise uh-uh friend yeah team usa i like that yeah i like that too i also think that the um what's his name popovich isn't he the coach the spurs coach yeah, greg, popovich? greg popovich yeah who's like i in my view one of the most overrated coaches in history uh but this dude is like woke Pop- Popovich. I mean, every time you see anything from him, it's like just terribly disappointing. So I'm not I'm not surprised to see that his team is uh, not totally equipped just, to play on in the international I'm stage. I'm just gonna say it. I blame the libs for all of our all of our losses. I mean, that's, a, that, that's I think that's I think idea. they're just they're just raising you know this generation of mental weaklings who don't know how to be champions and just can't compartmentalize to win. Such a hot but they're, they're, they're all used to just getting participation medals. Like, wait a minute, we actually have to place. Yeah, or like people now, used to have pride, right? right? People used to have pride to represent the United States in the Olympics. 
And I feel like we're really losing that, which I is mean, probably contributing and, to them not caring. And about the winning. drive to win. Don't you feel like they lose and they're like, oh, well, congrats to the other team. Honestly, is that the point? Where <laughs> <laughs> Instead of just being like, it should be, ta- you should not be able to sleep for like weeks if you lose there. Agony, I mean, it should be agony tearing. Agony defeat girl right yeah, there. It should be tearing you up inside to see that China is beating us in the medal count. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, maybe, you know, the motivation of these days for these kids should be like, well, no one's going to be able to see you kneel or whatever you want to do during the anthem if you're not on the podium. <laughs> like you want to get your, you know, sponsorship from Nike or whatever because you took a knee. You got to get on the podium first, friend. That's right. It's ultimately a contract clause. That's all they're after. You got to be on the. You got to have your and anthem played. These are Olympians. Like your whole life, all day, every day, you're supposed to do this. Get on that podium, man. Get on the podium. Like you've got your like five minutes or whatever to do your event, but you're training 364 days a year for this, except for today. Like get on there. Yeah. I will say too, um, you know, my beloved women's gymnastics team. Yeah, it's your fave. Yeah. Um, they did not have the best performance this past weekend either. They actually qualified second behind Russia. Wow. Um, Simone Biles was a, was, was a little off, unfortunately. And you really see how much she carries the team here. But I would like to say, my own personal opinion, I think there was a little anti-American judging. I'm not surprised really? to hear like, that. Their execution scores were so low and way too harsh compared to how they were judging the other the other teams. And I feel like... All the other all the other countries hate that we have Simone Biles, and they feel like they need to like knock us down a little bit to make things a little more fair. Interesting. Oh, wow, we're getting hometown. Yeah, a little. I think this is this is this is my my take on that. Joe Biden's America. Just just to recap here, China's beating us in the medal count, and Russia is beating us at Olympics. Yeah, they can have pipelines and medals from Joe. There you go. Now I will say, let, let me get behind the women's gymnastics team here, just to say, I think these folks play to win. They've oh, never let us down. I think I think they'll come back. I think they're going to win right. a gold medal. But and if, this is just qualifications. This is just qualifications. Yeah. I think they were a little off and it was sad, but I also think they were judged too harshly. Their execution scores were way too low for what how they were performing. Yeah. Yep. No question about it. So I'm still I'm I'm still hopeful that they'll be my women win. I they got to be. They just have to be. They got to get their their heads in the games. I will say having watched them all season, you can tell that 2020 you know, they hadn't compete. They had, they, there was no competition for so long. Right. And so like, this is all kind of rushed. It's not their normal cadence of getting into competition mode. So and they pulled them out of the Olympic village. Yeah. A different place. It, yeah. It's all, it's all. A so hopefully strange. actually this could be good. They could get a little fire in their belly to really be like, we can't rest on our laurels here. I'm for it. I hope the Olympics improve. I usually love the Olympics. I know, especially the summer Olympics. I know. The best I know. ones. All right, so you have a little sprinkling of Hollywood. Yes. Um, this is a fabulous story. I would just like to report you all. I know Smug tweeted about this. Kanye West had a listening party for his new album last week um, in Atlanta. And after his listening party, apparently he's moved into the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta to complete <laughs> work on his newest album, Donda. After hosting a public listening session at the stadium on Thursday night, Kanye is temporarily living in the building. He's gone so far as to conduct construct a studio space and living quarters and has even brought in a private chef to prepare his meals. This is the best part. On Saturday, he was seen wandering around the stadium during a soccer match. That is so cool. That is this is dude's rock. All, all hail King Kanye. I'm here for this crazy. And, and he's wearing this like mask thing. I mean, like, everyone knows it's him. It's like, it kind of like a like bank a robber nylon? thing. Yes. Yeah, it looks yes. like a bank yeah, he looked like he was thing. getting ready to rob a bank. Yeah. Yes. But it's awesome. Because he's, like I said, he's basically turned into, like, uh, the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> he's taken over the Mercedes-Benz, you know, stadium. 
He's living there. He's got a chef. He's making music. This is living your best life. It's just such a hilarious thing. Yeah, he, so he awesome. has this. He has this listening party where, by the way, he doesn't do anything except for roam around the center. He's not. <laughs> he's not rapping. He's not singing. It's all tape, just playing. And he's just roaming around. So cool for the whole thing. And then he's like, "This looks good. I'm gonna squat here for a while." Dude, dude. Also, like I saw the concessions. They were oh, selling yeah. like fifty dollar chicken fingers. Yeah, forty dollar hot. <laughs> Just dogs. incredible. Get that money. Yeah. <laughs> There's more Biden economy for you. Yeah, right. Well, good for Kanye. Yeah. I, I can appreciate living in it's... the. I mean, I, he's going to have to walk around the field during halftime of a Falcons game, though, isn't he? I mean, it's like hopefully that'll be will be like fully complete by then. But that would be awesome if like we're in the middle of the NFL season. Kanye's still living there, just like, walking around. <laughs> start to become a where's Kanye every <laughs> single event there there's big where's he in the crowd he's just moving to big venues across <laughs> the country it's just so funny because he has this huge sprawling ranch in Wyoming that seems delightful and he decided to post up in a stadium I don't know <laughs> I don't know you can't make it up but for some reason anybody else I'd be like what is he doing when Kanye does it I'm like yes that makes absolute sense totally sense. and I'm totally here for it and 100%. I support your every decision you know what else makes sense um Benifer. Ugh. More not, good news. I did not want to bring it up, but yes, to everyone listening, blah, blah, J-Lo and, and, and uh, Ben Affleck are Instagram official, and they recreated their little boat, steamy boat scene from 2002 where he grabs her rear end. <laughs> and ben Affleck is so awesome. Like, dudes rock 100%. All he wants to do is drink beer, gamble, and have Dunkin' Donuts, and like, there you go. On a yellow J-Lo again. I mean, <laughs> it's incredible how quickly he rebounded from uh, what was a pretty tough stretch of life. Yeah, I know? mean, you know, it was pretty much, he, he was at the point of his life for like 10 years where all he did, like, he got divorced. I guess his wife got fed up with him just like taking private jets to Vegas no, and gambling all night. I think he cheated on her. Did he? I mean, <laughs> I mean he can't blame with the like, guy. With like a nanny, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I mean, you like can't blame nanny, Ben, right? okay? So he, he had no, to do a lot of things. No, you absolutely can blame Ben. A hundred percent. Nobody here is endorsing adultery. <laughs> so Ben had to do some things. And then, so now look at him. Now look at him. He's look right back. Him. And this guy had this great uh, 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 Twitter thing where, so Ben Affleck got this insane, like, Phoenix tattoo yeah. on his back. And they're like, the Phoenix has rose from the ashes. <laughs> <laughs> If it makes sense, it makes sense. I I, I will say that her uh, her picks of her, you know, what is she fifty two or whatever it was that she her was. Her birthday was this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's been working pretty hard. Yeah. No, I feel bad about myself every time I see a picture of her. <laughs> but then I think you're stuck with Ben Affleck, so actually I don't feel that bad about myself. <laughs> Hollywood head, everybody. <laughs> On Thank that you. note, no problem. <laughs> All right, so. We're going to cover, I got to cover one thing here and then we're going to bring Foldy in. Uh, but before we do that, you remember last week we talked about how this Nord Stream 2 deal was um, coming together. It's the pipeline that, of course, the United States objected to under the Trump administration because it basically allows Russia to, to have a direct pipeline into Germany and Europe and basically be the source of all... Energy just, needs. just like a monopoly, like a huge win for Russia. Like right. they would dream of having this. And so while Biden, you know, cut the Keystone Pipeline in the U.S., he's letting them have this. And then a big problem was that uh, uh, the U.S. told Ukraine, our ally, they're like, keep your mouth shut about this. Don't talk about this in public, even though we're giving Russia this win because Ukraine's like, uh, guys, this isn't good for us. Yeah. 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 yeah I, they actually impeached uh, Donald Trump over this. <laughs> the Democrats did. 
And now they're all very, very concerned that we're undermining our ally Ukraine, but they're not going to do shit about it. And well, so, Ukraine's but, pretty concerned too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so we told everyone about this when no one was talking about it. And then now the Kiev Post, Ukrainian newspaper running a headline, Betrayal. Yeah. With Biden's photo and Putin's photo on it. Yeah. Betrayal. I mean, it's as simple as that, right? I mean, we Duncan's right. They literally impeached Trump for this sort of behavior. And the cheerleading media repeats, you know, Biden at the G7 saying America's back, right? And then everybody reads it and... New York Times and the Washington Post. Oh, you know, we're reestablishing all these norms and, and the world respects America again. Well, here's one of our most critical allies in Eastern Europe. And the, the, the I mean, it's full color front page betrayal. Yeah. Yeah. They said it the best. That's America back. Yeah. That's America back. Disgusting. Is and what then, it is. Uh, so foreign policy magazine, which is no friend to Republicans, they said Biden's honeymoon period with some Eastern European allies has come to a halt. All thanks to his recent deal uh, uh, with with Germany intended to shield Eastern European allies from future Russian efforts to use Nord Stream 2 as a geopolitical weapon. Uh, listen, we bring this stuff up because it's not the sexiest thing in the world, but you got to have some broccoli to know what you're talking about. And. Anytime any Democrat talks to you about how we our, our relationship with the world has improved under Joe Biden, you tell them what the Kiev Post had to say about that. Yeah. It's an important ally. Anyway, summer of violence, Smug. Yeah, it continues. I mean, I, I tried warning you people that we're looking at a summer of violence, and what do we get? Uh, so here, here's, here's some facts for you folks. An exclusive poll finds Detroit residents are far more worried about public safety than police reform. Remember how Dems, first Dems called to uh, defund the police. Chaos ensues. Dems then try to say, actually, Republicans want to defund the police. No one buys it. More chaos ensues. <laughs> What's so amazing is that there's been, look, if you're even sort of tangentially aware of your surroundings, you know that there has been a massive crime problem in every city across this country, right? But somehow Democrats haven't gotten the, the, the memo on any of that. And they're still talking about police reform. They're still talking about like defunding cops. They're talking. I mean, if you look at the, listen to these city councils, they, they literally are talking about how to reduce police forces or put social workers in charge. That's still happening. That's still happening. Meanwhile, this has been just a complete and utter summer of violence. Yeah. So uh, the poll I mentioned earlier uh, in Detroit found that by an overwhelming nine to one margin, they would feel safer with more cops on the street, not fewer. And then here's some numbers we're looking at. Chicago violence, 10 dead, 65 shot amid bloody weekend. And then another headline, Cleveland police deal with multiple shootings, stabbings during violent weekend. At least 14 people shot over the weekend in 60-hour time span. D.C. violence, I mean, you saw that shooting. It, uh, all these journos got upset. They're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe while I was at my nice restaurant, a shooting could happen here. I mean, there's a lot of shootings in D.C., but it's only terrifying to them. When it's happening to them, that's how it got the attention. Yeah, it was a, it was a one-two punch. The reason why journos are writing about crime all of a sudden is oh, yeah. because they went to the Nats game and heard a couple gunshots outside, and then they went to La Diplomat. La Diplomat yeah, right. on Friday night and saw a shooting there, and so now all of a sudden it's a problem. I mean, and here's my question: Is how many of those journos jumped on the phone and called a social worker? Did they call a social worker? Or did they call nine one one to get some cops there? Right. And the police chief was out there in the street, you know, after the shooting to talk to folks, and he blamed it on what? They're shrinking police force. Yeah. Somebody's got to listen to these people. Right. I mean, 
It, more. Philadelphia, gun violence, three dead, more than 30 injured. 30? What is this? Like a All this war? is in the weekend. All this is in the weekend. More than a dozen shot and at least three stabbed in Indianapolis. Indianapolis. And then this is from NPR. Rising violent crime is likely to present a political challenge for Democrats in 2022. Yeah, That's no the shit. Take. Yeah. <laughs> That's the take. We've got mayhem, and they're like, uh-oh, NPR's on the case. They're like, how do we help the Dems here? <laughs> there, what's so amazing here is it's obvious to anybody who's not a progressive. It's, right? it's crystal clear. And we had, I remember when we had Abbott on uh, like a month or two ago, and I asked him about, you know, is crime becoming a bigger issue that you're seeing amongst voters? He's like, it's the issue. It's the it's the first thing that every voter cares about is the safety and security of, of their own family. Of course, that's the case. But that now all of a sudden, Democrats understand that the polling's cutting against them. They've spent two years telling us you need to reduce police forces. You need to you need to somehow stop police from being able to do their job, give them new restrictions for how to apprehend violent criminals and things like that. And but they got to get out from underneath that. Right. So it's like, oh, no, no. Republicans defunded the police. Oh, not it, the case. I mean, and this kind of, it, it's good to segue into the next topic with this, is uh, Dems are now saying, oh, it's not terrible policies, it's voter suppression. That's what they're scared of now in the midterm. Well, that's, so they're setting expectations, right? So this entire, they know they've got a, a problem with CRT, they have a problem with crime, they have a problem with inflation, all extremely potent voter issues in front of them. So they're trying to figure out how they get out from underneath this. This story in Politico today entitled, We're Effed, Dems Fear Turnout Catastrophe from GOP Voting Laws, is probably the worst story I've ever seen in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. This is the worst piece of journalism I've laid eyes on in a long time. And think about the competition for that trophy. You started telling me about this, and I was like, dude, just break it down piece by piece. It's that terrible. Yeah, so the, the premise of this is that Democrats are genuinely alarmed that these state legislatures that have actually had success and passed into law new comprehensive voter integrity measures are actually going to take votes out of the bucket, right? Which is nonsense, complete and utter nonsense. But they put in this article, they actually assign statistics for this. They actually say, I'm, I'm not, this is not a quote. The states, and they're talking about Georgia here, uh, the state's new voter ID requirement for mail-in ballots could affect more than 270,000 Georgians lacking identification. That's that's just Politico writing, like, voice of God? What's the source? This is There is no source. There's no source for that. There is no source. The provision cutting a number of ballot drop boxes could affect hundreds of thousands of voters who cast absentee ballots that way in 2020. That's the next line. And What's the source just, of that? Nothing. <laughs> like... I think that the source ultimately for the drop boxes thing is like ballots that were cast into drop ballots. So you're assuming that because they can't walk out to a drop box that they're not going to vote. Don't these people have a mailbox? Well, that's the thing right. I keep coming back to here is when you hear drop box, that is liberal bullshit for you to consume and get wrapped around in your mind about some, some sort of tool that has made it easier to vote. It's not. What a drop box is, is a mailbox. It's another mailbox, but it's painted a different color. <laughs> they're like, okay, so... Uh, it doesn't have magic properties. They, they, they try to... Exactly what they're trying to do is they say this is some kind of like a democracy machine. Like your ballot, like, you know, instantly becomes, 
you know, a shot against authoritarianism if you put it in a Dropbox. <laughs> I mean, but but seriously. So, all right. So then they go through and they quote 10. I'm not making this up. 10 progressive activists that are trying to support this thesis. And none of them do a particularly good job, but it's all like activism speak. There's no facts. It's like, oh yeah, we're, we're screwed. We're done. All these Republican things. Da, 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 da. Finally, about like 17 paragraphs into this thing, they give me the payoff. So the paragraph reads, the restrictions advanced by Republicans. Let's just start right that with that, right? The restrictions advanced by Republicans. That is now a factual statement that Politico is making. And it's not, not a opinion. quote from anyone. Right. Now, this is in their own voice. The restrictions advanced by Republicans affect so many facets of voting that Democrats can't agree on which provisions are most problematic. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Maybe it's because none of them are restrictions. Maybe that's right. Maybe because this entire article is a cover-your-ass exercise for when they lose the midterms. Exactly. And well, that's, it's so purposeful. They want to say to the audience, these are restrictions. So then when they list stuff, they're like, in your head, this is bad. These are restrictions. This is bad. So here's the next sentence. Some Democrats cite signature matching laws. Oh, let's, let's talk about that for a sec. You mean laws that make you sign your name to your ballot? And that's why I said is at, they that's why they said restrictions and now they're listing the stuff. So in your head, the reader thinks signature matching is a restriction. I mean, you name me a single voter anywhere in this country that is currently enfranchised that would be disenfranchised by having to sign a ballot. I mean, none. Even in New York City, you have to match your signature. I mean, it's just what you do when you have absentee ballots. All right, listen to the next one. Others point to fewer drop boxes or shorter time frames for early voting. Here's the drop boxes again. There's the drop boxes. Like it's a magic machine, you know? So, but here there's, there's double pieces to this, right? So, so one drop boxes aren't really a thing. They're mailboxes, but we call them something else and paint them in American flag colors. Right. So that's how we all feel good about it. But second of all, none of this shit existed pre pandemic. Right. Right. All of it was put into place outside of the statutory authority of what was on the books in order to accommodate voting during the middle of a pandemic, right? So they extended early voting. They had things like drop boxes. They, they did all kinds of things to get people so they didn't have to actually congregate together in a gym in the middle of a pandemic. Like, I get it. I get it, right? I might have a problem with the fact that they did it, but they did it. But let's not pretend like that stuff was all of a sudden on the books for centuries and had been operating fine. And now Democrats or Republicans want to restrict access to those things. But none of this is actually real. I mean, in 2018, they blamed voter suppression for Stacey Abrams losing mm -hmm. in, in, in historic midterm turnout. And we will have turnout that's high in this midterm. And you know what they'll say? Voter suppression. Voter 100%. Su that's what they're going to say. <laughs> you know? Voter suppression. So here's the final sentence. This one really is like the coup de grace for me. Still more, consider voter identification requirements especially crippling. I thought we got to the end of that story already. Yeah, I thought Jim Clyburn uh, you know, said that no Democrat ever uh, opposed voter ID. And yet again, they put all this down as restrictions and bad. 
Facts. <laughs> so, this is facts. I thought Raphael Warnock and the gang were trying to find out who it was that was suggesting you couldn't have voter ID laws out of the books. Couldn't be them. Oh, no, no. No, they're like, what? What are you talking about? We've always been in favor of voter ID. It's, it's just, it's incredibly shameless. And again, like going back to, they only spoke to 10 left-wing activists. Right. That's their source. And then for, for their numbers, the statistics they give, there is no source. There is no source. And, like, obviously there's no balance. I think they would say if you asked them under oath why there's no balance in here, they would say, well, it's a story about Democrats for Democrats. Like, it's it's a story about what's happening in the progressive movement. But you know what? It's really not. Because the title is, we're effed, Dems fear turnout catastrophe from GOP voting laws. So perhaps you should have somebody who knows a effing thing about GOP voting laws to talk about what it is that they actually do. Right. This isn't a story about enthusiasm gaps or, you know, some problem with the Democratic base. You're talking about law. You're t- <laughs> you're you're talking about the uh, the electoral process. So it's like you can say it's about Democrats all you want, but you're claiming all these things as facts and you're only talking to Democrats. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they're all lamenting the fact that they don't have a single message, and it's like all kind of not. It's because none of it's real. Right. None of it's real. (laughs) This is all a made-up game. Right. I hate using the term because the libs love saying it, but this is gaslighting. That's what this is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it it totally is. And when they figured out that they couldn't actually get the votes to overrule all these state things, and they couldn't do like a federal government takeover of elections, they're now reduced to this. Right. And then they're going to lose the House in 2022 and they're going to say it was voter suppression and it's fair again to question the legitimacy of elections. And they're already doing that. Right. And which is what they're doing in this article. They're saying it'll be an illegitimate election. That's what they're saying. Right. 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 So we had to pretend as though like 2020 was this brand new thing about a party that that loses questioning the merits of the election when Democrats have done it literally every single election they lose every time. Mark Elias, you know, he was the guy who tried to basically steal the election from uh, Miller Meeks in in Iowa. He's the one who represented Brindisi saying, oh, the Dominion voting machines got the total wrong and that's why he lost. These people are total hypocrites, (laughs) you know, and he's challenging these laws and like a dozen states. It's just incredible. But I mean, we covered basically what this is all about is the fact that they know they're going down. Right. You know, there's a new poll that came out um, that was ABC Ipsos poll and it was published uh, last Sunday that said that 55% are pessimistic about the direction of the country. Uh, a major shift, Right. Optimism is down 20 points amongst Democrats and Republicans, pollsters found, and down 26 points amongst independents. And so, like, you're gaming out why that is. Maybe it's the crime. Maybe it's the fact that you can't buy a loaf of bread for less than 20 bucks. That's the thing is they're dealing with the issues of, like, crime is up. Prices on everything is up. People out there are suffering. And they're like, okay, since we're not going to be able to have any merit on any issues— it's time to create some BS. Right. Right. So, I mean, we were just talking about Politico. They had an interesting other story that basically sweeps the legs of the story that they were talking about just now about how Democrats are going to get beat because of voter laws. This one is um, about critical race theory. 
right? And so they've sent people out to figure out, because Democrats say this isn't real. Yeah, it's not real. They, well, they can't really decide if it's not real or if it's not a problem. Yeah, yeah. So, they, But they found a couple of really interesting little anecdotes. One is this Alina Kaplan. Um, she's the, I'm just going to quote from the article. She's the kind of suburban mom who made Joe Biden president. An immigrant who came to the United States from the Soviet Union. She's a registered Democrat in San Mateo, California. And she's uh, alarmed over her state's new model for ethnic studies curriculum, which cites critical race theory as a, quote, key theoretical framework and what is that pedagogy pedagogy what? pedagogy jesus i don't even know what the hell that is it's like the study of teaching or something i yeah. don't know well whatever it is it's not good because alina doesn't care for it and and maybe just maybe you're getting a little glimpse into why it is that democrats are losing a foothold yeah you've got someone from the soviet union who sees crt and like what the hell <laughs> Like, this is what I tried to escape. Now you're telling me to teach it? <laughs> it's incredible. And, you know, I, w I would point out that we've been talking about the school's issue and CRT here on the program for months. Yeah. And since April or I mean, since uh, January, basically. Right. Right. And, you know, it's just it's just proof uh, that if if Republicans can organize locally around these issues, we will win. So th th from that article about, uh, you know, Elena Kaplan, this is a really great you know, piece right here. It says Kaplan, who has launched an email list, set up meetings with state legislators and recruited people to meet with their school boards to discuss ethnic studies, is representative of Democrat leaning or politically moderate suburbanites interviewed by Politico in six states, all but one of which were won by Biden. They're up in arms over their school system's new equity initiatives, which they argue are costly and divisive, encouraging students to group themselves by race and take pro-activist stances. So that's the thing is, is key on the national level. Democrats have insisted that the, you know, all this hoopla over critical race theory, which has become, you know, a, a, a political punching bag, uh, even for unrelated equity initiatives. They're largely the work they say of right wing activists who willfully misrepresent what it means. And then they blame Fox News. They're like, Fox News is making all the parents mad. But those Democrats appear to be understanding that parents are like enraged, enraged. Or critical race theory is well this is what we've line. known this is what we've talked about right we've talked about the fact that democrats i always can tell a good cycle coming when you ask a democrat what they think about something you know is just cutting right yeah and they're like oh it's not real you know even in private they're just like ah it's you know fox news and that kind of thing i'm like nah, -uh, buddy yeah nah -uh, buddy well and also you got to realize this is a one-two punch right like you look at some of these left-leaning suburban areas and major metropolitan areas, you know, like around Washington, D.C., for example, you know, and, and, and it isn't just critical race theory. It's they didn't have the kids in school. Right. You know, we denied science as, as, as a handout to the teachers unions, you know, who don't want to teach your kids and, and they're going to rename your schools. And oh, by the way, when you finally do get them back in a classroom, they're going to have to wear a mask and the teacher's going to tell them they're racist. <laughs> you know, it's like, Wow. It's thank, th thank you, I guess. You know, we'll take them back to the Republican Party. Welcome back, suburbanites. <laughs> anyway, I think I think what we've seen is just a dramatic shift that's happened. We've been talking about it all along. We've been talking yep. about the red yep. wave. We've been talking about when it, it. My favorite part is when this starts manifesting and like Democrats are going to start being eyes open about what's coming their way. Then there would be a whole bunch of different things to blame as to why it's happening. But you heard it here first on the Ruthless Variety program. And uh, you know what I want to get into is, so I brought this up, uh, you know, uh, this story broke about a week ago, um, and, and I put this tweet out that it really made me think. So 
uh, Reagan had that very famous speech where he called the, the Soviet Union the evil empire. And I extrapolated on that and said, you know, China is the evil empire. It's like the entire world is now facing a huge problem with China. Like the Soviets might have had the Gulag archipelago, but China's got the Gulag industrial complex. Um, and so BuzzFeed, who, you know, of all places, well, BuzzFeed actually won a Pulitzer last year for reporting on uh, the, the treatment of Uyghurs inside China. And they've extrapolated, you know, they've continued uh, their investigation in that. And a new BuzzFeed analysis found 206 million square feet of space to detain people in China. That's enough to hold 1 million people at the same time. This cool. is like uh, Nazi Germany size concentration 206 million square feet 206 million square feet they said they found 347 compounds that were constructed or saw uh significant uh renovations since 2016 the year the campaign to lock up uh the muslims in, in xinjiang started combined those buildings cover more than 206 million square feet wow i mean that Holy smokes. It's, it's, it's completely horrific what they're doing. And the, the thing is that they're putting everything to bear that they can on it. Like when you hear about how like under Trump they wanted to keep, uh, y- you know, some of these Chinese telecom companies from being part of our infrastructure, the chip makers have over there. It's because those people, are, the Chinese government has them building out their tech infrastructure and facial recognition and everything they need to enforce this, uh, you know, uh, system that they have in place. For example, they've got facial recognition in stores in China that if anyone exhibits features of of a Uyghur, the authorities are alerted to come get that person. My this God. is happening right now. Right wow. now. And you don't hear, you know, it's not a very popular topic for them to talk to. You know, uh, we heard all these things about how, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to have grown-ups back in the White House. And, well, t- I'll tell you what, that Trump administration did a lot more to, con- you know, confront China than this Biden administration, which is basically just like, oh, none of this is happening. All this is fine. You won't hear him say a word about this. And it's 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 unbelievable. Um, and whenever I get the chance to bring this up and go hard in China, I'm complete for it. Um, the, the other thing you see is, so the Chinese government is, is, you know, they have their own internet, you know, army that they, government elected officials who are on like Twitter. Right. Like, like uh, or not elected, but government officials because they don't really have elections in China. <laughs> But government officials for the Chinese government who will get on Twitter and be like, oh, wow, uh, I can't believe you're complaining about us putting these people in concentration camps when America has prisons. Like, they see this opportunity. They just play off the left. Yeah. They just completely play off the left. And and it's like a, a circle. Like, they see a way that the left is trying to build this, like, cleave in America, you know, this, this fracture of the country. And they're capitalizing that uh, as much as they can. Well, yeah, because yeah, they're all socialists at heart. You know, the American left and, and, and the Communist Party in China. That's the thing, is, is, is united in Marxism. And it goes on all, the hypocrisy is, is so deep, you know, that's really good to bring up, uh, Duncan, where you see environmentalists are constantly telling Americans, okay, we need to stop flying planes and, you know, uh, you can only eat insects. We need to stop having farms. So, so there was this graph that, was, uh, that Axios put up, this graphic, of uh, coal-fired power plants and, you know, currently and being built uh, in, in various countries around the world. China is like, you look at this graph, a thousand times larger than the U.S. 
They're like four times larger than India, which is number two on the list. And no one is talking about, you know, you have these these climate meetings where it's all like, okay, right. how can we get Americans to 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 tighten the belt and 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 save the planet when China is like, you know, they're the elephant in the room, they're right? Right, contributing to all of these problems, right? And and they're completely excluded from these talks. It's unbelievable. And and yeah, it's it's the elephant in the room that none of these Democrats want to talk about. They want to say, oh well, you know what? If you if you just rode a bike and ate less beef, we could solve you know, the climate crisis. Well, it, it, it is a funny marriage there too, because you've got the sort of neo-Democrat, you know, basically corporatist side of the party. Right. That their view of all of the energy issues, they, they don't even, they hope you never see that graph smug with China producing yeah. coal fire pot, because the only thing they do is get themselves invested in a new kind of energy, right? As you heard with Foldy's reporting with Proterra, it has long been a practice of the Democratic Party to basically go in and try to perpetuate some environmental rationale for a new power system, right? Right. Nobody talks about the fact that all these electric cars actually suck more out of your power grid than the than the gas cars they're replacing. Yeah, what, what is it that people think it runs on? <laughs> right. Unicorns and rainbows? <laughs> right. Like you're plugging it into the wall. <laughs> right. Right. And then, But that marriage is then with the AOCs of the world that basically just don't want you to have shit. Right. Right. If you just like sit around and... and, and you know, live off of government dictation of what your life ought to be, and that includes no stakes, by the way. Right. Then it, it should be all fine. I mean, that's just, it, it, it's just crystal clear. The New York Times put this article out uh, uh, on July 26th talking about uh, Biden's China strategy meets resistance at the negotiating table. Now, this is, you know, a little bit understated. So uh, the deputy secretary, the deputy secretary of state, Wendy Sherman from Biden's administration uh, goes to have talks with China and it starts with China, just like slamming the U S that they open with just saying straight up. They were told uh, the U S cannot stop the rise of the people's Republic of China. (laughs) Yeah. I'd say that presents a challenge. And so they're like, okay, uh, yeah, that could be tough. And the U.S. has the relationship between the United States and the People's Republic of China is a complex one. And our policy is very complex as a result. This is what I'm saying. Like, uh, China sees, you know, its conflict with the U.S. is a battle. They see it as a war. And the U.S., you know, we've got the Biden administration that says it's a complex relationship. Dude, and all they see from the Biden administration is weakness. We got Blinken going to the U.N. and, and, and saying, yeah, rolls out the red carpet. Come in and tell us. You know, um, we've got human rights abuses in our country. Oh, I know. Yeah, that's you know? my favorite. That was you think You think China would take that? No. No, but we roll right over. Right. Right. Meanwhile, we're trying to destroy every American business, you know, and with our own domestic, uh, the Biden domestic plan, whereas China's doing the exact opposite. They're looking for world domination. Right. Right. They want to control all of technology. They don't want to, you know. It's, it's, it's anyway, I'm glad you brought it up smug because this is a, this is a really important topic that doesn't get enough discussion basically because it doesn't have the depth that lends itself for easy sound bites on cable news. Right? Yeah, so, you actually uh, think about this stuff. Stay tuned folks. I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll have plenty of more fire China takes in the future. I love it. All right, let's get to our interview. This guy is awesome. I didn't know him before. Really appreciate his work in the house of representatives. Congressman Tony Gonzalez. I want to welcome to the program Congressman Tony Gonzalez. Tony represents the 23rd district in Texas, which is sort of the uh, southwest border. Welcome to the program, my man. Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me, man. I look forward to today. Yeah, absolutely. We've been wanting to talk to you for a while. You're one of the 
the young dynamic crop of house Republicans that I think are really making a big difference. And, uh, and you got an interesting background. You were elected just this last November to a seat that, uh, I think it's true that the media basically told us would never be held by a Republican again. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, but you defied the odds. Yeah, no, I, I got reminded over and over again, Hey, you can't win that seat. You know, why are you even trying? And uh, well, the great part about it is not only did we win, but we won by 12,000 votes. And, uh, you know, we just we just really solidified the district in a lot of ways. And believe it, you know, people forgot this district, 71 percent Hispanic. Right. You know, probably, you know, being Hispanic actually helps. Uh, and one and two showing up matters. I mean, we, we I put 70,000 miles on my pickup truck. I went absolutely everywhere. Small crowds, big crowds. And I didn't go there once. I didn't go there two weeks before the election for their votes. I went over and over and over again. That's still, you know, retail politics still matters. It still matters an awful lot. You're entirely right. And particularly in a, in a contentious election, people want to get to know their candidates and you did a whale of a job at that. I, I do want to ask you, because we've seen this crop up in a bunch of different places and we've had uh, three or four guests from South Florida here in the last two weeks, similar dynamic. The media tells us the Hispanic vote is a Democratic vote. Obviously not the case. No, no, definitely not. And, you know, in, in, in my case, in Texas in particular, uh, you know, you're talking about Mexican-Americans. You know, in Florida, you're really talking about Cubans and, and maybe New York and elsewhere, Puerto Ricans or, or, or other Hispanics. And that's, that's step one is not all Hispanics are the same, right? Exactly. You gotta, you gotta, right? You got to look between, you look in the, uh, the subcultures. So I'm Mexican-American. My district is predominantly Mexican-American. And, and I'll say, you know, faith is extremely important to our culture. Family is at the heart of everything that we do. I have six kids. Uh, I mean, family matters. Uh, service, right? I'm a 20-year military veteran. A lot of folks have served or know someone who served or, or they're serving as police officers. So law and order, I mean, real, rule of law, all those things matter, right? So th that's nothing new. But I think, I think part of the key, too, is having uh, candidates or representatives that reflect that. You know, you show up and you go, wait a second, that guy's a lot like me, right? He looks like me, he talks like me, has the same background as me. Uh, and then you start getting them to, to go and, and look at all the terrible things that are happening with the Dems on their side. And you just go, wait a second here. I'm no longer what, what, my, grand, what my grandfather was. And, and you start moving over. That's exactly right. Getting people to question their assumptions a little bit goes a long, long way, particularly when we're talking about the long list of, of democratic priorities, which are just entirely incompatible with what you know, communities across this country are experiencing. Oh, it's madness, man. Absolutely madness. A lot of folks go, look, I'm a Dem you know, they may go, I'm a Democrat, but I'm not a socialist, right? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I, I, want, I want to help people, but I don't want open borders. I don't want to defund law enforcement. Like their positions on the other side are just so radical. But to me, it's like, that's not enough. On our side, we got to show up over and over again and highlight the fact that we're going to be there. You know, we're going to be there for you and, and give them, give people a reason why they should vote for us instead of just voting against the other side. No kidding. I entirely agree with that. I want to talk about your background a little bit uh, in the Navy. Now you served in both Iraq and Afghanistan, I think for like 20 years, right? Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, I, uh, so part of my story is uh, I've lived on my own since I was 15 years old. And uh, I actually joined the Navy without a high school diploma. And the reason I joined the Navy is I didn't know how to swim. I didn't like the water. I uh, had no interest in, in that. I always knew I was going to serve. I thought I was going to be an Army guy. Um, I go to the Army recruiter, and he tells me, I need you to get a GED. And I'm a half credit away from graduating. So I'm like, I'm not going to do that. If I wanted to do that, I would have done that three years ago. You know, I've been fighting for my high school diploma. So I go into the Navy recruiter, and he's like, boy, do we got a deal for you. you know? <laughs> it's like, it's like, uh, uh, he goes, we'll make you a cryptologist. I was like, what is that? I don't know what that is. He goes, I don't know what that is either. Uh, but it, it sounds, sounds cool. awesome, though. <laughs> exactly. You know, cyber, you know, top secret clearance, uh, you know, fighting our nation's wolves. Um, we'll do that. But they had a program where you could get your high school diploma while you were in service. Yeah. And that's what I did. So I ship out that Friday, learn how to swim when they push me in the deep end of the pool in, uh, in boot camp. And, uh, and I got my high school diploma from the state of Florida. So I see that. I, that's part of my story is the Navy gave me the one thing I was missing in life, which was opportunity. Yeah. And came in as an E1. 20 years later, I retire as an E9. It's a master chief, highest enlisted rank you can, you can do. Also, I mean, I spent five years in Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, 20 years in service. And, and to me, um, you know, it's just serving, serving is who I am. And I think that's important, too, is, you, the, you know, have the right type of people up here. That's those right. that are team players, those that believe in the country, not just me, 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 me. You know, you see a lot of that kind of individualism up here on Capitol Hill. I think we need, we need to get away from that and get back to, you know, what can you do for your country? Yeah, that is just music to my ears. You're entirely right. You know, sometime in the last 20 years, we gave birth on both sides to this generation that like runs for Congress to become famous and write books and go on TV and stuff like that. And my, it's just, not only did we not get anything done, you really don't represent anybody doing stuff like that. I agree. No, I agree completely. And one of the things is, is uh, that I tell my team is, uh, look, we're going to get on TV. We're going to do all those things. But what's really important to me is being a, a serious legislator and go. rolling up our sleeves on the things that, that are important. And not all of it's sexy, not all of it's going to make the news or the headlines, but some things that matter to me is us getting back to regular order, us passing a budget, us not living off of continuous resolutions. Like these type of things, I think we need more serious legislators that, that can come up here and not just throw bombs and, and, and you know, get on TV and, and, and have a million tw Twitter followers, but do, do kind of uh, the nation's uh, legislative work. That's great. Well, one serious issue that I know you're, you're very concerned about impacts your, your district, obviously, directly, is the, the border crisis. Um, give us your thoughts. I mean, you represent a heck of a lot of territory there that is, is in the prime position of a problem. What's going on down there? Yeah, so I represent about 42% of our southern border, 820 miles, and everywhere I go, everyone I talk to from every, everyday people, ranchers and farmers, mayors and, and elected officials, uh, border patrol agents, sheriffs, they all say the same thing. It is as bad as it has ever been. And, and look, immigration, uh, border security, not a new topic for any of us, right? And honestly, it's not a new topic for any president. Literally every single president has had to deal with this situation. But what you've seen is the Biden, the Biden administration, they're AWOL. I mean, they're nowhere to be found. 
And uh, not only that, their policies, their whole, you know, whatever, whatever the, the, the previous administration did, we want to do the opposite. That's not, that's not a plan. And, and, and we've seen it firsthand. It's as bad as it's ever been. I'll give you a very specific example. About, uh, about two months ago, I'm making my way through the district. I meet with my county judges. I really rely on them. They have a pulse of their county. Uh, they tend to have a pulse of the county better than anyone else. And I, I'm meeting with them, and I, I get in, one of, in front of one of my judges, and I go, uh, you know, uh, if, I could, if I could do anything for you, what would that be? What do you need from me? Basically a blank check. And she goes, uh, Tony, we need more body bags. Oh. And I'm like, right? So I walk out my staff afterwards. I'm like, that was weird. I mean, I give her a blank check. She's asking for body bags because of the number of migrants that are dying. And then after the next two days, I had seven judges say the same thing, wow. right? So that's, that's the, the real part of it is people are dying at record numbers and, uh, and, and judges and, and sheriffs are asking for body bags, man. That's the situation on the Southern border. Yeah. I mean, this is the humanity, you know, I think liberal progressives would like us all to believe that this is some sort of a humane process that's happening. We should be an open borders country. And the reality of it is what you just suggested. A lot of people die and they they misunderstand the process. Yes. No, it's, it's absolutely terrible. And everybody's impacted. Basically everyone in my district is, is sucked up into this chaos and it is pure chaos, man. High speed chases. You know, you have these sleepy kind of uh, small towns, nothing, Previously, nothing would happen, and now you're having these high-speed chases two or three times a week. I mean, it's just the property damage that, that folks are having to deal with is real. So it's just chaos all the way around. What I love for us to, to see is let's, let's push for strong border security. In the same breath, let's reform our legal immigration process, because I believe in that. I mean, it's America. Right. Folks that want to come over and live the American dream. We absolutely should encourage them to do that. But it has to be through the front door. We should know who, who is in our country and then we should give them the opportunity to do that. And, and that's what the, probably the, the most frustrating thing from this administration is they don't even talk about legal immigration. They've gone all in on illegal immigration. And to me, I suspect it's more about defunding Border Patrol, defunding law enforcement, trying to like reshape that whole system. It's a wrong approach and, and people are dying because of it. Yeah, no kidding. It's just awful. I know um, after the Biden administration implemented, it gave Kamala Harris basically the keys to the kingdom to be in charge of all this. About a month back, I asked Governor Abbott whether he'd ever heard from her and he said, no, like she just never called. Have, have you ever had any contact with, with the vice president on, on border issues? Never, never, Unbelievable, man. right? Never. And, and you know what? You know, Henry Cuellar, Democrat to the South, between Henry and I, we've got about 60% of the southern border. He hasn't heard from her either. I mean, they're just, they're just checked out. It's not even if you're a Republican. They're just checked out. They got their own approach to it. I mean, that, that just blows my mind, right? I mean, what else does she have get going on? Like cutting yeah. ribbons and hanging out? <laughs> like, I, I mean... She's in charge of the southern border. She doesn't talk to the people who represent 60% of it. It's crazy. It's absolutely maddening. It's absolutely maddening. It's amazing. I mean, that alone to me says so much about this administration's just, it's beyond incompetence. It's it's willful neglect. Absolutely. And look, people on the ground, they see that. And Democrats, Republicans, everybody sees that. It's as clear as day to go, Wait, and, and going back, I go back to it, how we kind of started it. You got a lot of Democrats going, 
wait a second here, kind of second guessing themselves and going, the Biden administration has done nothing for us. Why the heck am I voting them in? It's going to be a rude, a rude awakening for them. I think in 22, also in 24, just by, like you said, the, the way they've, they've mismanaged everything. Yeah. It's just incredible. Um, all right. So I got to ask you about the Texas Democrats, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, like we've on the program, we've been following these folks here for God, what seems like a month, but I guess it's only been like a week and a half <laughs> because, because they're, I mean, they're the best band of idiots we ever could have hoped for. Yeah, uh, exactly. What, what's your take as a Texan watching all of this? What's the, what's your view? Oh man, it's embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing. It's just going, and now you're panhandling for sewing kits and, and like, what is going on? Um, and, and then, you know, one of the guys flies back home and then he flies back up here and like, uh, you know, they're just, they're all, they're a wreck. They're an absolute wreck. Uh, look, I, I get it. You know, you don't, you don't want something to happen. Um, you know, there's a lot of things up here I don't want I don't want to have happen either. But guess what? I haven't missed a vote. I show up every day and I go to work because that's my job. Right. 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 It's like uh, sometimes you don't like it, right? A lot of us don't like what jo- our job at times, but we show up and do it. The fact that they they can get away with it too is just as they're martyrs or something staying in these fancy DC hotels. I know. Is, Madness. That's the thing that gets me, right? It's like you take a private plane to get there. You cut. You come up here. You stay in a pri- in a in a beautiful hotel, and they all act like they're building the underground railroad. I mean, it's right. the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. That's right. That's right. I mean, back home though, back home everybody is is embarrassed. And I go back to it. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of Democrats that are going, "What is happening, man? I, I get what you're trying to do, but the way you're going about doing it, it doesn't make any sense." They're so disconnected from just everyday people, and it's evident. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I want to ask you about that piece of it, too, because Texas has sort of been in the eye of the storm after Georgia in terms of voting reforms that have been done. But, you know, I mean, from our perspective, obviously, we, a lot of things changed in 2020 to accommodate the pandemic. And it's just sure. it's essential that a lot of states rewrite and relook at some of the, the accommodations that were made for the pandemic and sort of put things into statute for rules of the road going forward for your district. I mean, what do you think? Does this, does this feel like Texas and the legislation that they're considering sort of finds the balance here to make sure that people are enfranchised, but they, but you can trust that the vote is, is accurate and fair. Oh yeah. I mean, no doubt. Look, one of the things um, that was very evident were people were upset with this last election. They were, and you can't, you can't sweep that under the rug, right? Um, you you got you to gotta address it. And, and one of the things that, that I look at, and I think a lot of Republicans, we don't believe in, in uh, the federal government dictating to everybody. Like, I believe in state rights. I believe in every state having, having uh, that role to make sure that their, their elections are, are the way they see it. I think that's important. Texas was no different. Um, so, so on one end, you had people asking for this. They, we, we do it. Um, it's, it may, may not be everything everybody wanted, but it's, it's what the, you know, what, what the, what the, what the outcome was. And then you, you know, you, you cut tail and, and run on it. It's, it's absolutely the wrong approach because here's the deal. It doesn't, it doesn't get to the root of the problem, which is people were upset. And we, we, the last thing we want is people to not believe in our elections. Look, right. you, your horse doesn't always win, but you got to believe in the process. And we 
owe it to make sure that people believe in that process. We, we, we harden it. We make it, um, we make it um, you know, where, where folks can vote, that, that every legal vote is counted, all those wonderful things. Uh, but the, to, to kind of turn a blind eye on it, it's a wrong approach. But I go back to it. it the states are the ones that need to, need to take the lead. And you've seen a lot of them do that. Yeah, no, that, no question. I, you know, I, it's fun. I love talking to guys who just got here, basically, because you, in a lot of ways, you know, you've spent your entire professional career around sort of normal people doing normal things, yeah. working hard, right? Yeah. And then, and then you get dropped into the middle of this situation <laughs> where you're like, you know, seven months in, you're looking around, you got to be like, man, how did so many crazy people get in one place? Seriously. Uh, no, you know what? I, a lot of times I go, how did you get like, what, how did you get here? And the other thing too, is a lot of folks view the world through sheerly, a lot of folks up here view the world sheerly through a political lens. Yeah. I don't view the world through a political lens. I hope I never view the world through a political lens. I have my belief system. I have what, what is important to me, but you know, um, I don't know. I've always solved problems. I'm a cryptologist. My job is to solve, my, my job is always to solve problems it's, it's a little maddening up here because not a lot of problems get solved, but I just think we need more people that are willing to do that. No. Yeah, absolutely. Can I ask you about the cryptologist thing? Cause like, I, I, I think I know, but I kind of yeah. don't know. Right. Yeah. And, and I, it's one of those yeah. things I'm just like, you know what the hell that I got to ask? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course, man. So um, basically, I mean, a, a cryptologist, uh, my job, let's just go back to my job and then I'll kind of give a broader one real yeah. quick. Uh, my job was to uh, to find bad guys and and identify them so we could capture or kill them. Bottom line, right? Um, so any means of communication, right? However you communicate, cell phone, an email, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, a pigeon, like whatever whatever your means of communication is. Uh, you know, my job was to intercept that, figure out what you were, what you were talking about. You're a bad guy, right? Figure out what you're talking about. And then, and then have, uh, you know, have us action, do an action on that. So, uh, but there's a bunch of different things. A lot of times it's, it deals with cyber and in today's environment, everything is, is associated with cyber in one way, one way or another. You know, I didn't grow up going, I'm going to be a cryptologist when I, when I get older, right? Uh, but it's absolutely amazing, amazing uh, skill set. And, and what it really did was introduce me to technology early on, very early on. So, yeah. Well, so with that perspective, do you have a view of sort of these cyber attacks? And, you know, it's our view, we've, we've talked about on the program, that it's an amazing uptick in, in Russian antagonism here in the last few months with colonial pipeline and yes. you know, meat packaging, meat processing plants and the like, and then all kinds of sort of uh, uh, ransomware threats across the country. Like, what's, your, what's your take on all that? Yeah, no, my take is, uh, you know, cyber used to pretty predominantly be in, in the national security and DOD uh, defense space. And now it's in absolutely everything, absolutely everything that we do. And I'd argue in today's environment, um, Every company is an IT company first, and then you do this other stuff, right? Yeah. Then you sell widgets or, or, or you know, have oil pipeline or, or your school or whatever, but everyone is an IT company first. And these, these ransomware attacks, they're only going to increase. They're not going to stop. Um, and what you're seeing is you got state-sponsored actors, Russia, China, Iran, Iran uh, North Korea, cartels, Mexican cartels. I mean, you got these organized groups 
that are attacking a mom and pop shop. I mean, it's literally fish in a barrel. So there, there's a, there's an element there that, uh, that we need to support and, and government can't support everybody. Like there's, there's, they just can't. Right. So I think there's, I think there, we have to do a better job of that, of, uh, of allowing the tools that need to happen. That's one. The other end too, I'm a big proponent of, of offensive yes. cyber, which goes like, look, you know, you want to you want to uh, uh, hijack our pipeline and hold them ransom for five million. Well, I'm going to take a hand for it. You know, good luck typing with one hand. Uh, good luck next time. And, and I don't think we've done that either. Like the government has really shackled our, our ability to uh, to that, to provide that deterrence. Yeah, I totally That's agree. So key. I totally agree. As I said, if anybody were dumb enough to make me president of the United States, there wouldn't be a stoplight in Moscow that would work after the colonial <laughs> pipeline. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There has to, there has to be, you know, a, 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 an action for every action. There's a, there's a recourse and uh, we can't just blindly go about doing it. I mean, you hear, you hear Biden talk about, Oh, you know, uh, uh, you know, China just recently is responsible for this attack and then the very next day, you know, we're not going to seek any charges on these five uh, folks that are that are kind of captured for espionage. Like you have to have a consistent, you know, consistent message, and more importantly, your actions need to relate as such. And and this cyber intrusions, they're not going away. They're only going to come up more and more. Yeah, and it seems like that's absolutely the case. All right, I got three big questions for you, Tony. Yeah. This is, this is these are the ones that everybody focuses on. Okay? There we go. So the first question is, your last meal on earth, what would it be? It would be from uh, China King in San Diego. And this is why uh, I, went, I went to, uh, I had, the, I had the, the privilege of going to SEER school, Survival Evasion Resistance Escape. And, and part of that training is you don't eat for a week, right? So I'm in the, I'm, I'm in the field, I hadn't eaten for a week. I come back to, uh, to Coronado and that was my first meal. And, uh, uh, I will never forget that meal. And that will be my last meal. I don't it know is, if it was that great, but it was great to me. It's made a lasting impression that no question about that. <laughs> uh, no doubt. You don't eat for a week that that next meal is going to taste tasty. It's a good one. All right. All right. So second question, I think we know, uh, let me broaden this out a little bit for you because we know what you'd be doing if you weren't into politics, you were doing it in the Navy. If you didn't get into public service at all, if you weren't in the Navy and you weren't a congressman, what would you be doing with your life? Well, I'll, I'll, say, I'll go a little step further. What am I going to do after this is done, right? After my time in public service, what am I going to do? I'm going to go raise Spanish goats. Uh, I'm going to be off the grid and I'm going to go raise goats. Uh, that's what I did as a kid. And that's what I want to go back to. Wait, you're serious? You want to you raise Spanish man. goats? There's something very rewarding about about seeing animals grow and raise and, and and look, man. I've been fighting the nation's wolves my whole life. I will continue to do that uh, until you know until God tells me otherwise. But when my time is done on the hill, I'm gonna go on a nice big ranch and I'm gonna go raise goats. <laughs> I, I love that. I have two questions about that. Well, yeah. First of all, I'll just say keep your goats away from Smug. He's got a mixed record. <laughs> He's got, a, he's got a mixed record on this. The, the second is, what makes a goat Spanish? Uh, that's a good question, man. Uh, oh, it's just a different type. I, I go with Spanish goats because they got a little more personality. Okay. I mean, they're feisty. They're feisty. They don't, they don't, they don't, they'll take a bite out of you. 
uh, you know, keep you on your toes, right? So I think it's important to always be on your toes. I love that. I love that. All right. Third question. And I do mean it. Keep your, your goats away from smug. It's a real <laughs> uh, All right. Third question. What motivates you more, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? You know, uh, what motivates me is the thrill of my enemies agony, agonizing <laughs> in defeat. Right? Um, yeah. Can't help it, man. You know, you, you know how it is. People are always on the other side of you, no matter what. And they always will be on, on the other side of you. Uh, at the end of the day, I want to I have a collection of, 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 uh, of, uh, of shrunken heads uh, <laughs> and looking back on it and going, this is what happens when you're, on, when you're on the other end of Tony Gonzalez. That's right. That's right. It's important to always be more proud of your enemies than you are your friends. <laughs> It's a tough business, man. It is. It's a very tough business. I'm very thankful you got into it. You're doing the Lord's work. We appreciate everything. Come back and see us again soon. Awesome. Thanks, brother. Thank you. So, Smug, I I did. I mean, look, I warned him that, like, if he's raising goats, I don't know what your take is on goats. I'm fine with goats. They're great animals, honestly. You don't want to fight goats? Not at all. Good animals. No need to fight them. I'm very pro-goat. I really wasn't expecting that. I wasn't either. I figured he was going to be held to pay for no, like you know. One of my goals still is have a nice farm, never like go on the internet again, enjoy life fully. Oh, you better believe I'd have some goats on. No there. horses though. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this guy's great. It, it represent. I can tell you this just quickly. Talking to guys like that makes me really optimistic about our party's future. They are. Workhorses, they're smart. They got into it for the right reasons. He's had a career of decorated public service in the U.S. Navy. And, and he's now going to work for people, not because he, he wants to be a famous, whatever, celebrity. It's because he wants to do the work. He, he's got a, a community that he wants to improve. I just I think there are a million stories we have like that within our party, up and down. And we're going to just try to bring as many of them to you as we can. The other thing I, I really like about having him on is... You know, in, in, in the last election, there was a lot of conventional wisdom in D.C. You know, oh, man, Republicans are in trouble in these frontline districts. And, you know, how are they going to do well with Hispanic voters and yada, 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 yada. Well, this is proof that that conventional wisdom and the D.C. consultant class, and I am one. Right. But, but our, our colleagues here in D.C., we're wrong. Right. We're wrong. 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 Well, that's someone to keep an eye on. And like you said, we're going to have more folks like that coming on the show. So another banger of an episode, gentlemen. Well done, everybody. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless.